Forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. Kia hello and welcome to Liberty Now, the show for discerning minds and common sense. I'm your host, John Bird, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. Today, we are going to discuss the Three Waters Reform here in New Zealand and what's that all about. I'm uh, speaking today with Louis Holbrook. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Louis. Louis. Thanks, Louis. And I was compelled to get in touch with you guys. You're um, representing the New Zealand Taxpayers Union. And I saw one of your billboards about the Three Waters Reform Program, which I've been acutely aware of is not a good program, um, although they ostensibly try to couch it in, in good terms, like it's a necessary thing. So um, you've been directly involved with this campaigning against it. And um, I'd like to get your take on that. Just a, a quick intro from you, Louie. Um, how, how'd you get involved sure. in this and where are you from? Sure. Uh, well, I was working at Parliament for about three years uh, as a press secretary. Uh, prior to that, I'd been studying journalism. So I went from studying journalism to working in the swamp, so to speak. And <laughs> Brilliant. New Zealand Taxpayers Union, which is slightly outside of the swamp, uh, yeah. or at least independent body that's funded by donations, voluntary donations from taxpayers. And we campaign for lower taxes, less waste, more transparency. So yeah. we start looking at um, Three Waters purely from the perspective of the taxpayers or the ratepayers. And I'm sure we'll get into this. Uh, since we started it, we realised that it actually touches on quite a few more fundamental issues uh, to do with democracy in New Zealand. Right. And in fact, uh, I believe that this issue is, is kind of a symptom of a much bigger problem endemic around the world, uh, part of a bigger agenda. If you really have been studying this um, and uh, you alluded that you, you may be aware of um, the global agenda for world government, new world order, agenda 21, and now uh, agenda 2030. So I, I think these things are all related, which is why it piqued my interest when I heard about this thing. I'm like, oh, this, this sounds like part of a bigger plan. Would you agree with that? Well, we don't closely track uh, what the United Nations is up to because it would probably drive us mad. Yeah. How in the case of Three Waters, I think if you wanted to look at it from that perspective, you'd, you'd draw a line from the UN's Indigenous Declaration of Rights. Uh, from that Declaration of Indigenous Rights, uh, the New Zealand government drafted its, well, they commissioned the people to draft its Heipuapua plan, which is all about the implementation of co-governance across various uh, parts of New Zealand government and society. Now, the government's that it's not yet implementing Hapuapua, but if you look at what they're doing with Three Waters, if you look at what they're doing with health reforms, if you look at what they're doing with resource management reforms, it appears they actually are implementing Hapuapua in advance of any formal and public and transparent response to that report. Can, can you define that that term? Hapuapua is the name of, sorry, it's a, it's a Maori term. It's the name of the report that the government had commissioned to respond to the UN's Indigenous Rights Declaration. Right. So a large portion of this is focused on what we in New Zealand call co-governance. 
Now in practice, that is, in practice in New Zealand, that means we have a previously democratic body becomes only 50% elected representatives and the other 50% are appointed by the iwi group. Well, the right. iwi group is of the uh, tribal authority right. in New Zealand. Yeah, I, I, I ask these because um, a lot of people outside New Zealand may be unfamiliar with some of the Maori terms. And um, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I, I want to dig into this. Uh, before we do, though, I guess it would be appropriate to hear their side. I wanted to play a video that they posted up on the ministry site. Um, the Minister of Local Government, Nanaya Mahuta, and you probably are familiar with her. Um, she's, I guess. Absolutely. The, yeah. So uh, I thought I would play this uh, three minute video. Kia ora. As we approach summer, too many communities across Aotearoa will have to deal with water restrictions, boil water notices, and restrictions at beaches and rivers because of unsafe water. During the holidays, we all love to get out and about on road trips to batches and holiday locations. But we don't stop to think about how safe or reliable drinking water is delivered in the places we visit. The saying, ko wai kwe, ko wai o, you are water, I am water, speaks to this. Water is a part of us. It is our whakapapa, our life source, our food resource. As our most precious resource, we have a duty to take care of this taonga. For decades, central and local government have discussed the challenges facing councils in delivering affordable drinking water, wastewater and stormwater services to our communities. Councils have to make difficult trade-offs between investing in these critical services or other services central to the well-being of their communities. Unfortunately, these trade-offs often result in critical water investment being put off. This has led to years of underinvestment in our pipes and plants, delayed maintenance and repairs, and greater costs to the ratepayers in the long run. Over the last four years, the government has been working to understand the extent of this challenge. For many councils, these challenges are here right now. For others, they're challenges that they'll have to confront in 10 years' time. We cannot accept ongoing deterioration of services and the passing of problems onto our children or mokopuna. We cannot accept small communities being priced out of these fundamental services or having to pay for holidaymakers straining local systems. Ratepayers cannot be expected to continue to pay unequal and increasingly unaffordable prices for a lifeline service. And we cannot continue to accept a system that ignores mana whenua rights and interests in the way these services are delivered. The case for change is compelling, well understood, and needs to be addressed. It is clear the challenge is too great for councils to face alone. Doing nothing would be irresponsible and reckless, given what we now know. We need to come together and use our shared expertise to tackle these issues and ensure you're getting these critical services for the right price. We can empower and grow a highly skilled, innovative, professional workforce to deliver the right services for our communities as and when these are needed. This workforce must be local. 
You can't lay a pipe in the regions from a desk in the city. With reform, our future for water is safe, clean and affordable for everyone in New Zealand. We can deliver these services in a better way that is affordable for every New Zealander now and into the future. And we can do it in a way that ensures our vital water networks continue to belong to the communities they serve. I think there's a lot of um, disingenuous language she's using here, and they're not really telling the, the whole story. They make it sound really nice and necessary. So she, what she's saying is that uh, too many communities uh, with the summer coming up will have to deal with uh, boil water notices and unsafe water. And um, like these are things that I, I've never really seen in my seven years living in New Zealand that we've had to deal with. Now, I live in Christchurch or near there. Um, so these may be things going on elsewhere, but I, not something I see a lot of in the news other than um, recently they started chlorinating water. Um, uh, and I'm not sure how necessary that was. Yeah, I, I mean, she always rolls out these horror stories of things that have happened or things that could happen with our water supply. And the thing that always comes up is the situation we had in a part of New Zealand called Havelock North. Uh, some people did get seriously sick. The government thinks that two people who died may have died as a result of the water quality. That was seven years ago. That was in one part of New Zealand uh, across 67 different water authorities. So the government's holding up this very specific bad thing that happened and saying, we must do something about this. And they Nationwide? Present, yes, nationwide, across right. the whole country. And they've, they've come up with this uh, regime and they've said, well, this is something. We must do something. Therefore, we must do this. So it's really very cynical because people have this concern, a, a rightfully held concern, I think, about the co-governance aspect of this water regime. And the government's response is, well, if you don't support our co-governed water regime, you must support people dying from right. polluted water. It's, it's always the way. Yeah, that's the rhetoric. So um, can you tell us briefly, what does the Three Waters Reform proposal, um, what are they proposing exactly? Sure, sure, yeah. So in New Zealand currently, we've got 67 different local authorities. Authorities. They each managed their own uh, three waters, which means wastewater, stormwater, drinking water. Mm -hmm. The government's proposal uh, is to make those 67 entities to just four covering the entire country. And that in itself, there's a certain logic to it, right? Uh, these small entities, they, they were struggling because they didn't have the economies of scale to borrow cheaply and to invest in their assets. But the government, they haven't just done a, a micro amalgamation. They've Taken 67, they've combined them into four. And each of these four entities have layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy that separate the ratepayers from the boards that actually manage the entity. Right. I'd actually like to walk through each of those layers if possible. So yeah. you're a ratepayer. Uh, currently, you receive your rates bill from your local council. Uh, under the new system, you'll receive your rates bill from your local council. And in addition to that, you'll receive a water bill from the new water entity. So the question then is, if you're unhappy with, say, the value of money that you're getting from this entity, who do you complain to? Well, you'd probably complain to your elected representative, who's your counsellor. Right. Your counsellor to turn around and say, well, I don't have anything to do with this, uh, but I can talk to the, uh, uh, the regional representative group 
that sits on um, sits on this entity. So you go, okay. So they talk to the regional representative group, but the regional representative group, and this is the group that is uh, half local representatives and half iwi or tribal representatives. Right. Even that group is not involved in the day-to-day running of the entities. They select a selection panel. I'm not joking. They select a selection panel and the <laughs> selection selects the board of the entity. And even the board is just the governance of the entity. It's not the day-to-day operations. So that's four layers of bureaucracy that separate the ratepayer from these local monopolies over water services. Right, monopolies. And also, uh, sounds like two tiers of payment. So we're paying rates twice to two different entities? Yes, exactly. So the government pitches this as something that could save ratepayers money. When you think about it, it's absurd. The logic is that your local council no longer has to pay to maintain these uh, water services so that they will cut their rates in a way that is proportionate to the new rates bill you're, you're receiving. But when have you ever heard of a local council cutting rates? It's, never. it's absurd. It never... <laughs> no, never. No, so that's... in practice, you'll be paying your something quite similar to your existing rates bill plus a water bill on top in addition. Right. And how is it going to save money when they're adding more paperwork, more bureaucracy and more staff jobs to something that's currently being handled just fine? Um, I I don't see how adding more staff and uh, resources to that is going to save money. You almost have to admire the cynicism of the government's argument here because they say that this reform will create jobs. They say that that's good. As a out feature. of one side of their mouths, and then yeah, and in the very next breath, they say it'll also promote efficiency. Well, that's right. nonsense. It's create jobs and promote efficiency. We, we we know that monopolies do not deliver efficient results for taxpayers or for customers, for that matter. Absolutely. Now, usually, a monopoly in government, at the very least, you've you've got one control, which is that you can vote the bastards out. Right. Under the system, you can't vote the bastards out. It's right. not the account, not the government. It's a separate set of unaccountable entities. Yeah, well, that's the whole problem, right? Is is no accountability or uh, more separation between you, the the stakeholder, and the governing bodies, right? They're just creating more and more layers. It's it's like um, you know, uh, waiting on hold to be with someone waiting on hold for another message, like the multi tier phone systems. You know, it's just. They don't want to talk to anybody, sounds like. Every, everyone has someone else that they can pass the buck to under the system. Right. The pass the buck bill is probably a better name for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, how do you see this in, encroaching on our liberties from that perspective? Well, if I'm optimistic, I would say that um, this, this piece of legislation, it will either fail because it is so unpopular and we have raised such a uh, such a storm of public opposition against it. Or perhaps more likely, if it does pass, uh, sure, that's bad in the short term. It will do so much political damage to this government uh, that they will struggle to be re-elected. This, oh, uh, this yeah. is popular across the political spectrum. It's not, it's not a left or right issue. When it comes to issues of uh, water services, of local expenses, local rates, these things aren't partisan. It's not left or right. Everyone wants to know that they're getting a good deal from their council. And crucially, they need to know that they can complain when they're unhappy 
and someone there is actually accountable to them because that person is elected. The system fails those measures. So I think the backlash against this legislation, ironically, could actually be a good thing for liberty in New Zealand. Yeah, I, I certainly hope you're right. Um, I, I appreciate that you guys are campaigning so hard. I mean, you definitely caught my attention. And uh, what else are you doing to uh, campaign against this? You know, where does the rubber meet the road? A lot, a lot. So right now, the government actually hasn't yet unveiled its legislation. Uh, but when they do, there will be a consultation period. So this is where people can submit to the select committee. Now, the government, they always round up, uh, they round up their favourite special interest groups and all their special interest groups submit in favour of the legislation. Unfortunately, the government, this time, we've rounded up our own group. Uh, it's a group of 100,000 New Zealanders who have signed our petition. So our petition at www.3waters.nz has turned into a, I guess, a de facto army of New Zealanders that are ready to fight this reform. So we'll be swamping the select committee with submissions, but crucially, we will also be arguing that the government needs to take the select committee, this is the group of MPs that hear submissions, yes. and actually visit every part of the country that is affected by this reform, because this is a uniquely local issue. It doesn't sit right to have MPs sitting in the capital in Wellington, hearing over Zoom complaints over uh, water services that extend from the very top to the very bottom of the country. So we will- exactly this process into a bit of a circus, a traveling roadshow up and down the country to ensure that it's prolonged, to ensure that it's heated, and to ensure that the local labor MPs, those are our government MPs, start to get seriously nervous about the political damage. Absolutely. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to tie up their bureaucracy with their own, with their own fight fire with fire and tie them up in bureaucracy as much as possible. You might call it a filibuster. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Indeed. I like that. Um, so apart from um, increased rates, potentially, very, very possibly, why else should people care about it? I might just uh, check some of my notes that I, I recently delivered to a university class of all things. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, I can give you I, I can give you one more thing that is um, it's horrifying, but really quite funny. So about six months ago, the government was running uh, big budget television ads in favor of its own reforms. And these ads were funded by ratepayers. Huh. So this is a habit that they got into, uh, funded by taxpayers, I should say. They, they run propaganda funded by taxpayers promoting their own reforms. It's very right. dubious as to whether they're actually allowed I mean, yeah, to I, I would question it. how legal is it. that even? Is that legal? Well, the first round of ads on Three Waters, they actually did cancel them before they'd planned to because the Public Service Commission stepped in and said, look, guys, this is getting a bit close to propaganda. Right. Uh, we're grateful for. But anyway, their response to the massive public opposition to the Three Waters reforms it's in the fine print of the recommendations that they've released is that they will be running another public information campaign. Now, we, we know the first public information campaign, it didn't work. It did the opposite. The more, the, the more that taxpayers saw the TV ads, the angrier they got. Yeah. So, so the government just appears to be using every trick in the book, I think pretty naively, pretty stupidly, 
to get people to see this as a water safety issue, as an issue of uh, environmental um, cleanliness, right. in order to follow the co-governance aspect. Right. Well, that's that's the big trick, right? Everything seems to be about you know environmental concerns, but again. I, I haven't seen enough of a concern to justify this. It's not like New Zealand has some of the best water in the world. That's one of the greatest things, you know, we loved about moving here. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the truth is some councils manage their water assets poorly. Other councils manage their assets really, really well. And that's actually a, a feature of having divided powers is you actually can observe how things can be done well. And in many cases, yes, Small councils probably should band together to increase their capacity to deal with water issues. But what the government's doing, it appears the comprehensive nature of this reform, you know, the, the centralized aspect, the top-down aspect, right. makes it they are exploiting concerns in parts of the country to push a co-governance agenda. Now, if right. they really are keen on co-governance. And there's, you know, maybe there's some constitutional argument to have uh, Indigenous people represented on a 50-50 basis. I, I don't personally support that. But if the government wants to do that, they should argue that separately from the water issues. Right. Rather than conflating the two issues, which is clearly just a way to muddy the, muddy the waters, uh, to, to increase the murkiness of it all, to uh, almost confuse New Zealanders into supporting this um, fundamental change to our democracy that we know is not popular. Right, exactly. And um, so how can people support your work, um, you know, in, in practical terms? Um, sure. Obviously, go and sign the petition, which is, uh, wh where do they go to sign the petition? Threewaters.nz. Threewaters.nz, okay. It's a very simple URL to remember. In fact, we're amazed that the government didn't buy that one because we, we managed first. Nicely uh, done. The reason we direct people towards our petition, it's, it's not necessarily because we think that the government will see our petition and say, oh no, 100,000 people have signed it, we're going to change our minds. Right. The reason we write the petition is because everyone, everyone who signs that petition is then added to our list of anti-Three Waters New Zealanders, and we can then send people updates on every stage of the campaign, because at every stage of the campaign, the call to action will be different. Right. So how, yeah, what are some things you can do to mobilize this list as they grow? Well, for example, already uh, you mentioned you've seen some of our billboards. We have 200 giant billboards across the country that are actually funded and erected by New Zealanders who signed that petition. We sent them an email and said, uh, do you have a good spot on the side of the road to put up this banner? Uh, if Brilliant. so, click here. Yours. Uh, we're, also, we're also going to be inviting New Zealanders to road challenges to his so that way politicians have the opportunity to stand on a soapbox say their piece against three waters and just add to this uh, i guess you might say a, a parade atmosphere or a circus atmosphere even that there is a groundswell of opposition to this reform I, finally, I hate to ask you to repeat that i'm sorry louis but i think part of that recording the last maybe 10 seconds sure. froze um yep. internet yep. froze on it um, so you can repeat that uh tell me what you're doing to yep. mobilize people We'll also be inviting New Zealanders to join us at stops across the countries on our roadshow tour. So we'll Excellent. be stopping at towns across, across New Zealand and inviting not just the local ratepayers, but also the local members of parliament and the local council to, to turn up and say their piece against Three Waters. So 
we're planning to lead a real parade, you might say, against this reform. So the local politicians see the groundswell of opposition. That's excellent. Um, so I know this is, is a concern just uh, nationally in New Zealand at the moment. I do feel that this kind of thing extends beyond our borders. This is the kind of thing that we're seeing uh, around the world. Um, do you invite support outside of the country? Uh, not actively, but we do welcome it. Uh, anyone who believes in the values of, you might say, small government, personal liberty, uh, we call it lower taxes, less waste, more transparency. They're yeah. welcome to join our cause. Signing the petition is a great way to do it because that'll get you onto our mailing list so you can see uh, the activities we we the activities we do across the government to expose primarily waste taxpayer money, which is extraordinary. And yeah. one reason international audiences might be interested in what we're doing is because we know that internationally there are a lot of uh, you might say progressive groups that really do look at Tinderite and see her as some kind of international leader, someone to really look up to. And, I mean, we just had her on the Stephen Colbert show in the United States. Jacinda She's speaking was to the on Harvard. Stephen Colbert. I missed that. Yes, it was, um, I believe it was last night. So they wow. had her on Stephen Colbert and wow. obviously. She was talking about um, her her gun buyback program. Oh, and, how brilliant! Yeah, uh, yeah. And next, she'll be speaking to she'll be speaking to students at Harvard University. So, one thing that people who subscribe to our newsletter will see that actually it's not all roses here in New Zealand. A lot of what yep. our left wing government is doing uh, is really centralization of power and the erosion of democratic values in a way that should be disturbing to anyone. That is right. I think you nailed it right there. That is at the crux of all of this. And, and this is why I think um, people outside of the country should pay attention to this issue, because this can be a good learning. And also, uh, maybe they feel like they're not alone in their local issues. This is going on, you know, being played out in, in small uh, communities across the world, across the globe. So, um, Absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are out there. And that's why I wanted to contact you specifically your organization because you you guys there's a lot of I, I see billboards and facebook pages all over the place about you know i know it's very unpopular but you guys seem to be doing a really good job you, you seem to be the most organized so i would really like to direct people interested in this um, topic to um to your main website which is uh is it new zealand new zealand taxpayers union what's the url just taxpayers.org dot nz taxpayers.org.nz or nz you're american yeah nz yeah i i've long given up saying z since moving here <laughs> that's brilliant well louis i really appreciate your time thank you very much um and uh again the if anybody has any questions uh for you what's the best way to reach you Sure, they can email us at team at taxpayers.org.nz. I suppose if they want to reach me directly, uh, I, can, I can give out my email. It's l-o-u-i-s at taxpayers.org.nz. Brilliant. Well, I will definitely be supporting your work and following you. Um, thanks for uh, adding me to the newsletter. And um, yeah, is, is there anything else you'd like to say to listeners out there before we go? 
No, I don't think so. I'd just like to express my appreciation, especially to anyone internationally who's paying attention to what's happening to freedom at the bottom of the world. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Louis. I really appreciate your time. And until next time, be good and keep asking questions. Yeah.